Hello, <laughs> welcome to Stat Stuffers. As always, I'm your host, Ramiz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan. How are you? I'm good, Ramiz. How are you? I'm, I'm a bit tired, but you know what? We're here. We're pressing on. This was a kind of a quiet week in the NBA. We've already kind of reached that point in the season, only three weeks in, where it's like, you know what? I could chill a little bit. Let's let's not get too intense on you. Yeah. That's that's the sort of approach I took this week. I had a bit of a mellow week. I didn't watch any games. I kept up with what was going on, but... Yeah, I, I, if I did watch something, I can't remember it. So it wasn't that big of a week for me. I did, we did miss some performances, though. But we'll get into that. Yeah, I mean, I watched quarters and halves. I think the only full game I watched... Oh, I might have watched one or two full games. I, I definitely watched Nuggets Mavs in full. And then I think I might have watched the Suns game in full. I don't remember. But um, yeah, so like uh, the previous couple weeks, we've got a bunch of different segments here. So let's just jump right into it. We have a lot of big news this week. So, obviously, uh, at the start of the week, we had uh, a very, very big performance from Steph Curry, uh, putting up 62 points. His previous career high was 52. Did I write that down? I feel like that's wrong. Uh, I think you did write that down, but I don't think it's right. Is it? It was against the Knicks, wasn't it? Okay, I don't remember anymore. Maybe I did write that wrong. Um, anyway, Steph Curry, new 54, career high. 54. 54, 54. Okay. There we go. Um, New high, obviously. I think that was Draymond's first or second game back, and I think that just kind of explains it. Draymond yeah, opens I mean, things up. He does. He's that playmaker that, you know, gets the ball out of Curry's hands. Um, I mean, Curry was going off, but, like, Draymond was, like, a plus 22 in this game, but obviously he's on the court a lot with Curry, so that probably explains a fair bit of it. But, yeah, no, Draymond just allowed Curry to do what Curry does. You know, sometimes, you know, we'll see Curry get his shots off the dribble, but a lot of it is, you know, off pin downs, off screens, hip running around and Draymond finding him. So, but yeah, Curry was just hitting everything, being being Curry pretty much. It was pretty, pretty impressive to see. Yeah, no one else is really able to kind of fill that role of the Warriors in that kind of like dribble handoff sort of sense or in those pin downs and stuff like that. It really is Draymond's role. And that's what his role has been for years. Um, you know, having Curry run off those screens and then uh, maybe finding Clay open because of that. You know, if you could work with half of that, and the Warriors have looked significantly better. It's, you know, I've always been kind of like a, yeah, Draymond's a little bit washed, Draymond's a little bit overrated, especially in the last couple of years with KD kind of just being um, the main guy. But, yeah, I, I, Draymond's another guy where I just kind of forgot how important he is. I, I guess it's a good thing to have a Draymond Green jersey. Come to, come to. <laughs> that is a, yeah, that's an eclectic jersey to have, I think, but, um, I mean, yeah, he's, he really is important. He's the heart and soul of this team, and we've heard that for years, and um, that really showed with him coming back. And yeah, you're right; they have looked heaps better with uh, Draymond back. It just makes them more versatile. You know, they can't. Well, I mean, they could focus on Curry offensively, but they've got a now they have a, you know, a, a way to get Curry better shots that isn't him dribbling against the entire other team. So yeah. there's people to create for Curry now instead of him having to do it for himself. Yeah. Um. We also had another very big game this week in Bradley Beal getting a new career high of 60 points um, with a career high. Uh, his previous career high was 55. However, it came in a loss, which sucks for Bradley Beal because I'm pretty sure his <clears throat> previous career high also was in a loss. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, he should be pretty used to this by now. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately. For... I remember last year, did he put up back-to-back 50-point games, lost both of them? Oh, I think so. Yeah, now that you mention it, um, yeah, it's 
it's tough. And then, yeah, he backed it up with 41 against the Celtics in his next game, and they lost that game too, so... Yeah. It's it's tough to be Bradley Beal right now, but, yeah, again, and he's sort of like Curry, where he gets his shots uh, in the offense. He's not, you know, James Hardening it, where he's just dribbling the ball and taking whatever shot he wants. He's He's moving off screens, he's cutting, he's doing all that. You know, obviously he's got his ISOs, but a lot of it is him getting past the ball and he's just so deadly off the catch and, you know, moving off screens. It is a lot like Curry, a lot like Thompson too. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's kind of what ended that game in a loss. It's that he kind of had to take over. Like he wasn't, they, I don't know if they had enough time to really get into their offensive sets, uh, especially the last couple of plays. So they really needed Bradley Beal just go out there and get a bucket. And unfortunately he missed a couple of them. Um, yeah, he struggled in the fourth, and I think, yeah, I wonder if that's because he had to sort of result to getting his own shot. He only scored three points in the fourth quarter or something. That's right, I think. yeah. I think, it, yeah, he had 57 through three, which is crazy, yeah. but yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> he could have gone for 70 if he hit some more shots. Like, yeah, if he wanted I mean, to stat pad that, yeah, he could have. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, so a couple of big career nights there. Um, in other news, we've had a lot of coronavirus stuff like a lot of coronavirus stuff so yeah um the 76ers lost most of their team um to covid partially to injury they only had seven guys able to play they you have to have eight guys ready to suit up but i think they had mike scott in the lineup but he's i think they had nine i think they had nine suited up including an injured mike scott but they only played seven yeah yeah against the nuggets just a couple hours uh, just a few hours ago um they dealt Losing, they actually kind of got blown out until uh, the Nuggets' um, third stringers came in towards the end of the fourth quarter. I think they rattled off, like, the Sixers rattled off, like, an 11-2 run to make it look like a much more respectable loss, but it was easily a 20-plus point loss. But, yeah, that's just what happens when you don't have Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons or Matisse Leibel or Seth Curry or... Or Tobias Harris. Or or Tobias (laughs) Harris or um, Shake Milton. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys out for them, but uh, Tyrese Maxey went off. He had thirty nine points. Yeah, um, that was good. Also, pretty impressive. <laughs> had zero free throw attempts. Uh, okay, I did thirty nine points. Yeah, thirty three shots. I mean, there wasn't <laughs> many other people out there to shoot from. So, I mean, but he's just shown he can he could literally score from any anywhere on the court. Uh, he can get inside. He's got this awesome floater game in the mid range, um, and he can hit the three. But uh, yeah, it's good to see him get out there and put some stats up, but it was yeah, it would have been tough without seven of your guys or however yeah. many they're missing. Yeah. Um also we have uh some Celtics news. Now I didn't I haven't actually seen this, so do you want to take us through it? Yeah, so Tatum tested positive uh with COVID. Um I think it was I wanna say it was part an extension of the Sixers cases, but maybe not. When was um, this? This was this morning, I think. So oh, Sunday morning. morning. Okay. Um, yeah, he tested positive. So he's out at least 10 days, possibly up to 14, which could be a six-game stretch if he misses that full 14 days um, with COVID protocol, which is, you know, a pretty significant chunk. Yeah. Um, also Time Lord, uh, Robert Williams, uh, also tested positive. He's out 10 to 14. And then they've got a bunch of guys who are part of the COVID protocol uh, in Jalen Brown is also out. Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, Semi Ojale, and uh, Javante Green, who are all guys that play for the Celtics. Um, yeah. And they're all out for various amounts of time with COVID protocol and stuff like that. So, I yeah, think. It's st- yeah. 
I think what's happened kind of with the Sixers and Celtics here brings up a really interesting question as to why, you know, how does the league go about this? Because right now they're looking at, well, teams can play. It doesn't matter if all of your starters are out with COVID protocol. You just have to deal with that. It kind of taints the season a bit, like more so than usual. I mean, there's always injuries, but like, you know, if you have eight players out on any given night, and that can just stem from one guy being out. One guy's out, everyone else is contact traced. Bam, you've lost your entire lineup, um, and you're still expected to play four, five, six games without them. I mean, I guess it. I guess the playoffs will be a hell of a lot more important in in a sense yeah, because I mean, the regular season could be a bit of a wash. But I mean, also in a way, this kind of hurts teams that you would think would be in the playoffs because you know, obviously, chemistry has a lot to do with winning in the NBA, and you know. All the best teams, all those guys like hanging out together after games and stuff. You know, they're all bros. Yeah. So like, the contact tracing is going to be worse for teams that have high chemistry, like the Sixers and Celtics. I mean, it is kind of tough to see. I guess the NBA is doing what the NFL did, which is just power through it. You know, just get through the regular season. I think it doesn't really matter how many guys you're missing, how important the guys you're missing are. If you've got enough to fuel the team, get out there and play. Um, but yeah, this is probably the this is the two first major team losses that we've seen uh, so Rockets, far this season. Oh, and the Rockets too; they did miss a game. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think this is going to be the last of it either. No, no. I mean, I wonder if the NBA does draw the line anywhere. Like, is LeBron like LeBron gets contact traced? Do they draw the line there? Do they change their rules there? I mean, I'm sure a lot of other teams would hate that because it's like, oh, why does LeBron get special treatment? But if LeBron you know, is where they draw the line, then the NBA is going to have to strongly reconsider what they do with every other team. Or if they don't draw the line with LeBron, then you're tainting the season even more, I guess, because, you know, those are your defending gyms. Yeah, I I mean, part of me thinks that this season is just like, if they weren't going to lose money from not playing this season, we wouldn't have a season right now. I think yeah, what's important for the NBA right now is getting the money and getting themselves back on track with their regular regular season, going over, having the summer off for the players and playing over the winter into July. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's important to the NBA right now. So I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of, you know, oh, LeBron's out, you know, we're going to let the Lakers postpone their game or whatever. I think it really is, if you've got eight, eight guys, get out there and play. We're just trying to smash through this thing to the playoffs. Yeah. All right, um, final bit of COVID-related news. Now, this isn't confirmed in exactly, but Michael Porter Jr. was in a, I believe, a seven-day quarantine, and for some reason, he's cleared that quarantine, and yet now he needs to continue to be in a 10- or 14-day quarantine. I'm not sure exactly which. Um, I'm guessing it's because he broke COVID protocol. I saw something on the Nuggets subreddit that someone saw him at a public gym while he was supposed to be in quarantine. I half doubt that, but also it's Michael Porter Jr., so I don't doubt that. Um, <laughs> he's not hes not the smartest fellow when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that's that sucks for the Nuggets, because they I think they were really looking forward to having him back, and if he's out for a following two weeks, that's rough, because that's, that's 21 days missed um, with the team, which is yeah, six. Five, six, seven games, which is a fair bit. 
and you know, for a season where they're looking to him to be a big part of their offense, um, and he's you know come out and produced numbers so far, it is yeah, it's tough to miss him for that long. Yeah, he went into quarantine well, right after having a thirty point game. Um, it, yeah. it's, not, it's unhelpful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they obviously beat the short headed Sixers today. But yeah, um, hopefully he hasn't breached protocol. Hopefully he hasn't actually caught the virus. But if he has, I guess the league is making an example of this. Like, you are going to be out for three weeks if you break protocol and maybe a little bit. Like, they, I think they were a little bit lax with James Harden. But yeah, Michael Boyd Jr. is the kind of guy that the league should crack down on. He's not a star, but he is a young guy. He thinks he might be a little bit above the rules. He's not. You need to show him that. And yeah, I mean. Kind of set an example. Yeah, they yeah. Well, talk about powering through the season. They need games to be played if they want to do that, and you can't let guys break COVID protocol because as soon as you let that slip, there's definitely going to be mass, you know, spread across the league. So you've yeah. definitely got to keep cracked down on it. I, I don't think it really matters who it is. I think they're really concerned about keeping guys out until they're healthy, or at least yeah. negative. Yeah. Um. All right. So in a bit of other news. Um, in terms of guys not being able to play games, we have a few injuries here. Obviously, the biggest one and the most unfortunate one is uh, Marco Fold suffers a season-ending ACL tear. We've had a couple ACL tears already this season, which is never good to see, and that sucks. That really sucks. I mean, I'm I'm I've made it very clear I'm not a Magic fan. I'm not really a Marco Fultz fan, but he was having a good year, and you don't want to see that because that might kill his confidence again. Yeah, I mean, he's gone through so much this this player, um, Mark Hill, like, and he's, you know, he's been slandered online pretty hard and, you know, you're right. He was playing good this season and he's been, he looked pretty good last year for the magic in his first season with them. And, um, it looked like he was, you know, I think he was posting career highs in all his stats that so far this year and that to have that taken away from him pretty early on is, it, do, it does suck for him. Um, yeah, I just hope he, you know, comes back as good as he was looking, uh, next season. Yeah, hopefully, but I I don't know. I I I struggle to believe it because a big injury like this is the kind of thing that kills a player's confidence, and we've already seen Marco Fortza struggle with that. But hopefully, yeah, and he is a guy that relies on his bounce and athleticism. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how he comes back athletically after this. ACLs aren't career-ending injuries like they have been in the past. You know, you could come back from an ACL pretty, you know pretty much intact from where you were before, but um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Killian Hayes, Pistons rookie, uh, suffers a hip injury. So this hip injury is quite a serious one. Do you know exactly what it is? Uh, it's a labrum tear, but I'm not sure which side it's on. Right. But uh, you've read it here. It tends to derail kind of point guards' careers. It, it really messes with their speed. It messes with their shot a lot. It's bad. Like, that's what happened to Isaiah Thomas is what you've got ready here. Um, so if he gets surgery for it, he could miss up to six months. If he just gets it rehabbed up to six weeks, get surgery for it, Killian Hayes. Seriously. Yeah. Like, you that's see what cause... happens with Isaiah Thomas. You could punt a season. You don't want to have these ongoing issues. Yeah. Um, it does suck for the for him. You know, obviously, his rookie season. And a pretty... It doesn't... You know, usually you don't think of a hip injury... As sort of, they're pretty infrequent in the NBA, but they are, yeah, they're not good for small point guards like like Killian. Like Killian's six five or six four or something, but he's not a big, 
point guard by a big body. Sort of no, measure. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw how it hurt Isaiah after he got injured in the playoffs. Um, apparently, what do you say? He's only now back to 100%, he reckons. Um, he reckons. After that well, injury. So we don't know for yeah. sure. Yeah. It was two or three years after he actually got injured. So, yeah, I think I think surgery would be the way to go. You know, obviously, he's looking forward to growing with that Pistons team, and this hurts his development a fair bit. But um, I think I think he can come back um, – if he yeah, if he takes the time necessary to get to get healthy, yeah, especially the Pistons aren't going to be particularly good this season, as we've seen. Um, they yeah, they're one and six so far, so they're pretty. Yeah. And terrible. they don't really need him all that much um, to continue going one and six. They're bad without him anyway. Um, they're bad with him. They're bad without him. So yeah, I I'd say best course of action for him take the season off. If if you're struggling with these same ongoing injuries, I did Isaiah Thomas try to just rehab it. If, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I think so. I don't think he got surgery for it for a while. Not for a while, no. Um, and yeah, that he was suffering with a lot of pain out just randomly a few times, and then he was out of the league, which sucks a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, we definitely don't want that to happen to Killian Hayes, especially just as uh, in his rookie season. So yeah, surgery is probably the way to go for him, but obviously we're not doctors here. Um, I will say my housemate was saying... Uh, he recognized Marco Fultz's injury as soon as he saw it, and now he's asking if he could be our resident doctor um, on the podcast. That, that, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get him in next episode then, maybe. Um, yeah, so anything else on the Killian Hayes injury you want to add? Um, yeah, I just hope he comes back. I think the Pistons might actually be better without him just because he's a rookie point guard, and I said that in my preview. I think one of the reasons why the Pistons will be so bad is because they throw him out here throw the, him out there in the deep end and let him work. And it's, it's showed in his production so far. He's averaging like four points and two assists or something in 20 minutes. He's been he's been struggling, but, you know, he's a rookie point guard coming from overseas. Um, he's got a it lot to figure to out. Every rookie point guard. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, that's why I'm most concerned about his development rather than his health off this hip injury. You know, obviously we've seen Isaiah Thomas struggle, but I think, you know, with modern medicine, and if he elects for surgery, I think he should come back fine. But it's just the his development. That's another year they have to wait on Hayes to be the point guard that they drafted. Yeah, They hope they drafted him anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to a bit of league news here. So LeBron has uh, made, made suggestions. He hasn't made any kind of official bid or anything, but has made suggestions about getting an ownership group together and buying the WNBA team, the Atlanta Dream, which I think is really cool. Um, I th- also think it's, I think it's a great idea. Um, obviously, the dream uh, partially owned by former Georgian Republican senator who spoke out against the Black Lives Movement, and in turn, we saw Atlanta Dream players in the WNBA bubble um, sort of I don't, I don't know what the right word is turn against her, I guess, uh, support yeah. her uh, her opposition uh, in the Senate race who who won recently. Um, yeah, I think, and you know, I don't think I don't think the dream want to, you know, play under a person that they don't respect at all, um, and I don't think the WNBA really wants it there. Um, you know, they're very <clears throat> they had a massive campaign for Breonna Taylor um, after her murder uh, during the WNBA bubble. So obviously they're pro Black Lives Matter, um, and I think. You know, if LeBron buys a WNBA team, that's pretty that's pretty 
you know, big news for the WNBA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it provides more legitimacy for the WNBA. Like, you, I mean, you're always going to see people making the those terrible jokes. I hate those jokes where people are like, "So bad." Oh, the, my high school team could beat these players. Honestly, no, they couldn't. These are professional. No, they couldn't. These are professional athletes, and they deserve, you know, respect. Don't tell them to get back in the kitchen. I hate those jokes. But um, yeah. So providing a little bit more legitimacy, obviously. I guess, you know, Kobe was such a massive supporter of the WNBA. You you know, you always love it when big NBA stars support women's basketball. I saw Melo um, talk a little bit about potentially going in with LeBron, which would be even cooler. Um, yeah, LeBron and Melo being the owners of a WNBA team. Or at least yeah. partial owners. I don't know if they'd be able to buy the whole thing outright. <laughs> they'd need to Probably get quite not. a few other people. But yeah, no, I mean... It, it would be very good for them. I, I think it would be good for the WNBA. It would be good for the NBA. Yeah, it would just be a great move. I, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think it'd be good for the dream too, having that, you know, taken away from their conscience, not having to play under that person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've also seen uh, a bit more talks recently about uh, the NBA expanding a bit. So um, I think, uh, so I'm blanking the exact figures, but I think it was something in the ballpark of like $2.5 billion per team. I think I think that was what they were looking at, yeah. Yeah, so just a way to kind of inject money back into the league. I don't know if that's the best reason to expand the league, but I think the league has enough talent as to where, yeah, I could see that, you know, add an extra 30 players in. There's a lot of guys kind of in the G League and on the periphery, you know, you're, uh, who, who just got uh, a couple G League contracts. Was it like Michael Beasley? Um, Michael Beasley and um, who else was it? Yeah. Is it JR? Yeah. I don't think it was JS, so what else? But yeah, there's got there's definitely guys in the G League that could um you know, move up uh to the oh, Jeremy and Lin help out as well. Teams. Jeremy Lin, that's who it was, yes. I think um, there was another player all there, but yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, I think um I'd be excited for an expansion. The league's talked about how sort of cautious they are of an expansion because they themselves aren't sold on the fact that an expansion will help monetarily. Um, you know, financially, what they've lost so far between the whole China fiasco and the coronavirus. Um, but we, I'm pretty sure we saw the Seattle mayor pretty keen on getting the Supersonics back. And I think without a Supersonics doubt... Supersonics are a lock. Yeah. They're a lock. They're, if if anyone's going to get a team, it's going to be Seattle. Um, yep. I wonder if we get two, though. You know, someone has to pay that $2.5 billion. I wonder I who'd be interested. I think you'd have to get two. I don't know. It, we have had odd-numbered leagues before. I know, but 31 sounds weird now that we have 30. It does sound weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I w- here, we should play a little game. What, who do you want to lock in as your 32nd team? If Seattle's one of them, where would you bet that the next team goes? Well, I bet the place of betting, Las Vegas. Vegas. That's a good I don't, pick. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily want Las Vegas to get it. I honestly wouldn't mind, like... A team in like Mexico or another Canadian team, I wouldn't mind an international team there as well. But I think Vegas and Seattle make the most sense, and then you'd move either the Wolves or the Grizzlies to the Eastern Conference uh, because they're the closest ones to the East. Because obviously the West would be getting two new teams, you'd have to balance it yeah. out. It could also be a good way to just eliminate divisions entirely because no one cares about divisions. Um, I mean, I I think that could be a possibility if we get two teams out west, we could just see conferences go we could get the 16 playoff Ooh. teams we could just get the top 16 maybe i don't see conferences going but um 
it I, would that also does be seem good. a bit radical, but we've you know we've seen the play-in tournament come out of nowhere pretty much. I mean, that really was. I was shocked at how quickly they took hold of the play-in tournament, yeah. um, and how quickly they've expanded it for this season. So I don't know. I feel like Adam Silver's a pretty new school thinking guy, uh, commissioner. Yeah. You know? So I think He's I think there's cool potential where they just Adam Silver. Yeah. So I think there's real potential for no conferences if we end up getting these two teams. Yeah, and it's I guess it's just a it's a little bit cleaner I guess that sixteen out of thirty two teams make the playoffs, so half of them yeah. make the playoffs uh, rather than sixteen out of thirty. I mean, if you count the play in as the playoffs, um, you know, twenty out of thirty teams are currently making the playoffs, which is too many. It's way too many. Two thirds of the yeah. teams, really. Um, we could have a buy round two, I guess. Oh, okay. I guess that's sort yeah. of I guess that is the play in play in I guess. I guess that works the same way. But, yeah. <laughs> Everyone um, one through six gets a buy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna put down. I don't know. I kind of wanted to go Vancouver, but they left pretty unceremoniously. Yeah. Um, from from there. But if there was going to be another Canadian team, I'd see that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'll go Mexico City or something. I think Mexico that'd be City? awesome. Yeah. If they go either side of the border, um, I'd like that'd be. It, yeah. I think that'd do a lot for the NBA. I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess they've already uh, got global. Yeah, they've already got a couple global games a year in Mexico, or they did anyway. Um, so I think there's definitely a market for it. The other alternative that I mean, it it would never happen. It makes absolutely no sense. But I'd like an Alaskan team. I think that could be funny. <laughs> I don't think they'd have any free agents ever. <laughs> oh no, not a chance. No, Actually, no. Um, Alaska's pretty nice. I think at night, it's also. <laughs> pretty cold yeah <laughs> you don't, don't see know. a lot of you know the closest to alaska to be minnesota and, you know we see how their free agency ends every year pretty much yeah. um, hawaii would be interesting too uh, the, yeah i wonder which one's further away technically i'm uh, bad with geography yeah same um <laughs> <laughs> that is all right i'm looking this up, I'm looking this up. hawaii uh, to la versus alaska to la Does that work? What's it called? <laughs> Google Earth. That's what it's called. Um, so that's a so from Hawaii to LA, that's a five-hour flight. Um, Alaska to LA. I don't know what city in Alaska to put. I don't know any Alaskan cities. From Anchorage, uh, it's a seven-hour flight. So I guess Hawaii is technically closer to one city there. But um, and yeah. I can tell you right now which te- which place <laughs> teams would rather travel to. Oh, for sure, <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the so, thing is, if if you accidentally leave a player behind, yeah, good luck getting back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that ever happens, but yeah. Didn't someone get left behind at the end of the championship? Right after the Lakers won? Oh, um yeah, who was it? Was it Dion? Maybe? Was... I don't remember. <laughs> uh, or Quinn Cook or something. Oh, I think it was Quinn Cook, yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, they got left behind on the bus, but that's a bit different. <laughs> well, do you remember a, few, but, a, a couple of years ago, I think it was like, I want to say it was like Eric Bledsoe or someone just like didn't show up on time or like left late because he got pizza or something. Am I, I don't that remember that at all. Okay. I, I don't remember what happened, but yeah. <laughs> Getting stranded in Hawaii might be a little bit different. I mean, obviously these are adults with passports and money, so they'd be fine, but it'd just be fine. Yeah. I mean, better than being stranded in Alaska. So yeah, 
Hey, hey, no. Yeah. Homer had an epiphany in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe whoever got maybe Quid Cook comes back a changed man if he gets yeah. left back. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think. I uh, I guess it'd have to be pretty close if they do an yeah. expansion team out of the out of the country. You know. Yeah. I think people kind of forget how close Toronto is to the U.S. border. Like, oh yeah, it's like, it's like next to New York. Two hours from New York. New York yeah. from, you can see New York from Toronto. I I was in I've been in Toronto Tower. I'm pretty sure uh whoever I was with pointed out that you could see like right where the border is to New York and maybe you can even see parts of New York from there. Yeah. I mean so they don't have to travel very far up north, but yeah, I don't know, somewhere on the Mexican border, probably Mexico City. Yeah. Um the only other big city I've heard is Louisville, um, which could True. go. That's got a very rich college history, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Kentucky basketball's there. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Big Blue Nation. Yeah. I mean, there would definitely be a want for an NBA team there. Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to think. We're, we've heard of Tampa, just what? Because the Raptors are there now. That could be an option, but that'd be three Florida teams. And, yeah. Um, I mean, it's obviously not unheard of. You've got three Texas teams. You've got, what, four California teams? True. Um, and, you know, Florida, I think Florida's the third biggest state behind those two so i guess it's not unheard of but i don't know i feel like i don't know i don't hear a lot of tampa basketball fans um no no i mean you don't even but, really uh, hear many orlando basketball fans exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they might be pushing it for three in florida but um yeah i, I think las vegas might be the it might be the i'd like to see it in mexico but i think vegas would probably be the safest option they've already got a WNBA team there so you know and plus it's just betting capital of the world pretty much yeah they've got a fair few boxing events and stuff you know massive boxing yeah. events there so it's it's pretty accustomed to having um big sporting arenas and stuff like that yeah yeah all right um yeah so we've also got a little bit of statistical news and I'm very happy that you've brought this because I didn't write this down so you you really are becoming <laughs> you're really becoming a stat stuffer here and I, I appreciate it I was gonna so. say I've I've I'm proud of myself of, of my uh, stat evolution uh, yeah um, yeah I'm, I'm I'm searching stats I'm going through nba.com slash stats you know I'm I'm taking after you Ramiz. you were asking me to find what like lineup stats uh, are we gonna lineup hear about stats. that later on uh, no, because I couldn't find the stats. I want. <laughs> okay. See, I, I'm even, I'm even asking for stats that they don't have. That's how, that's how, <laughs> that's how much involved in stats I'm becoming. Yeah. So the, the next kind of evolution from where you are now is it's a job. Cause I have, I have made spreadsheets of my own stats. Um, spreadsheets is the next step. That's right. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'll, you'll, uh, hear, you'll hear about the, you'll hear about a couple of them here, but I made quite a few spreadsheets this week. Um, all right, well, uh, yeah, that might be a while away, but um, that is definitely the next step for me. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Duncan Robinson, the fastest player to ever hit. The fastest or the youngest? It was fastest, right? Yeah, least games to hit 300 made threes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you... I think Dame's the youngest. Um, that makes sense. But I think, I think Wait, Duncan... Dame. Dame. Was it Dame yeah. a four-year college guy? Oh, maybe not. Okay, you might be right. Um, I think, okay, so maybe Dame was the previous fastest, but I think Duncan kind of blew his record out of the water. Um, okay, yeah, that would make sense. So, uh, yeah, Duncan's made 303 made threes in uh, 95 career games, which is yeah, 
more nuts. than three a game, <laughs> which is, that's nuts. Because like also he wasn't really hitting threes in his first season. It's basically just two seasons. Pretty or much. One season, uh, one season and a few games. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just I wonder if this is, is will this be including playoffs? No, no, no. These these sorts of things I'm pretty sure are all regular season unless they specify playoffs. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, Duncan ninety five games. The next closest is Luca and Lillard who are tied at hundred and seventeen. Yeah, that's a big job. So twenty two games quicker than those other guys. Um which is nuts. Like that's what he does. Miami runs on Duncan. Yeah, I mean, we could be seeing the next great three-point shooter, you know, push knocking on the door. Yeah, I think he's already there, to be honest. But we'll see, we'll see. I'm, I'm rooting for Duncan, obviously. Uh, who is your Duncan Robinson cop? Is it Mike Miller? <laughs> um, It might be. That's a I good cop. I see a little bit of Mike Miller. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like he does a bit more than Mike Miller. Oh, Probably, <clears> yeah. The, the only Mike Miller that I really saw was, like, heat finals in the 2010s, uh, Mike Miller. Yeah. So, you know, end of Mike Miller's career. Um, but uh, he, yeah, I don't know. That could be the comp. All right. Well. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's obviously always the white guy on white guy comp. But I think that's yeah. pretty perfect. I mean, Mike Miller is my favorite player in NBA history now because uh, Will Barton's let me down uh, recently. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Duncan Robinson might be knocking on the door there. Um, uh, also, we had Dwight Howard reach 13th in all-time rebounds. And just before we started recording, we, we did a bit of a calculation as to, you know, if Dwight Howard plays a couple more seasons, has similar sort of numbers, but drops a little bit, he could probably get like 10th, 9th all-time in his career. We're, we're not expecting him to play more than like two, maybe three more seasons. He's, he's getting up there in age, and I'm sure him being constantly hacked is not helping his body all that much at his age at this point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so 13th in all-time rebounds. I thought he'd be higher just because he had, like, a good six seasons where he was just, like, a 25-13 and 13 guy. I mean, I think that just sort of speaks to how good the other guys ahead of him are. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's missed some time. But, yeah, you're definitely right. He's, you know, just consistently been one of, if not the best rebounder in the league for, God, when was he drafted? 16 years now, I think. Yeah, 16 um, years. So that's about right. I think it's the 04 draft. So, yeah. Yeah, so big up t- Dwight Howard. I'm a Dwight Howard fan now. Um, ever since last season, I'm a Dwight Howard fan now, which is so weird because I was not before. Yeah, I've waxed and waned with my Dwight Howard fandom. Um, I started out pretty hot and, you know, sort of lost interest as he went to the Hornets and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm back on board with Dwight. Yep, yep. No matter how much he cleans. How much he claimed the Nuggets. I'm a Dwight Howard fan. I respect them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into some of the teams that we're talking about for this week. So the first thing we want to talk about here is the Knicks. So the Knicks went two and one this week. They're five and four of the season. They beat the Hawks and Jazz, both good wins. They lost to the Thunder, which was a bit interesting. Uh, Dylan, what's your kind of big question? My big question is, can they remain competent? Because the Knicks so far have been 100% absolutely competent. You know, they've yeah. just, there, I, hasn't been any Knicks, there hasn't been any Knicks behavior going on. There's no silly sort of dummy spats. There's no trade rumors so far in the season. They've got five wins. 
It took them 25 games last year to get five wins. It took them eight this year. I mean, well, last season, I should say. That's nuts. Wait, is like, that including the win that they just got over the Pacers? Uh, that's not including that, no. That is also not today. Never mind, that was last Sunday. That was a week okay. ago. Never I mind. was going to say. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that went over the Jazz where Austin Rivers just went nuts in the fourth quarter. Uh, that got them their fifth win, yeah. I mean, even Austin Rivers, a, a veteran, competent. Julius Randle, beyond competent. He's been unreal. <laughs> He's... Just been Randall one of the best players bringing back the point the forward position. Like him, Demarcus Sabonis, Draymond Green, and Jokic are like the big men, you know, point guards. Yeah, it's not even oh, point ben forward. Simmons it's like well. center forward. Ben yeah. Simmons, yeah. Um, yeah, he's point been center. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Averaging 22 points, 12 rebounds, and seven assists for the season. And Which is pretty crazy. much it's, it's crazy. It's pretty much just give it to Randall and see what happens. I mean, Barrett's yeah. been good. He's been a bit up and down. He's had some stinker games but he's also had some games where he's on fire um but the the steady leader of this Knicks team has been randall he's just been awesome um and tibbs you know another veteran coach competent it's just it's good to see it's good for the soul i think yeah yeah so uh my big question here is are they kind of just playing to their opponent's level and i think their loss of the thunder kind of helps that it helps that case a little bit that's something a few teams do they they play up or down to their opponent's level. They're playing a really great team, so they play really well. They're playing a really bad team, so they play really badly. I wonder if the Knicks are kind of doing that, because they t- they're tending to beat like pretty good teams here, and yet they're also losing to kind of not-so-great teams here. So obviously they lost to the Thunder, but they you know they beat the Jazz, they beat the Hawks, they beat the Pacers. They lost to the Raptors, who have looked really bad, and they lost badly to the Raptors, who looked really bad um, like last week. So, yeah, does it... Are they just playing to that level? Can they kind of maintain a balance? Can they be consistent? Or will that kind of just fizzle out and they kind of regress back to a mean, which is probably not amazing. Um, but the reason I say... Sorry, but the reason I don't quite believe that it will fizzle out is because they're actually getting consecutive wins here, which is new for them. So they only had consecutive wins on three occasions the entirety of last season. They only won back-to-back games three times. I think they had a two-game win streak, a three-game win streak, and a four-game win streak last season. Um, They already have two this season. They have a two-game win streak, and they have a three-game win streak. Uh, They didn't beat anybody above a four seed last year, and I'm pretty sure they've beaten some teams that are going to be above a four seed this year. So, I think the Knicks might actually be legit. Yeah, that's, you know, not what I picked at the start of the season. Yeah, I I was... I was fond of this Knicks team, but I didn't think that'd be good. But yeah, Randall's been unreal. And yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of teams play to their opponent's level. Um, I think the Thunder might get a few sneaky wins because teams are going to go in thinking they'll be terrible. And they might just, you know, be competent enough to get a win out um, against teams that play down against them. But um, yeah, I mean, the streaks that they've been on, you know, two and three games, but you know, we're only, what, nine games into the season. Is, yeah. is impressive for the Knicks. Uh, getting back-to-back wins for this team is yeah, was hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that just speaks to how what the sort of pieces that they brought in in coaching, the front office, and their players. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's good for the league to have the Knicks good at basketball, or at least decent to watch. Uh, and, yeah, I think, you know, I think that, 
that stat you pointed out does prove that they're going to sort of play up um, to their opponent. They're going to be con- a competitive team all season, which is yeah. good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Anyway, <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to add on the Knicks? Uh, no, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm glad the Knicks are good. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Knicks fans are like you. You're my favorite big market fan base. It's not that hard to do, but you're you're definitely my favorite. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I want Knicks fans to have a win or two uh, going for them. Um, all right, let's get to another team who's kind of been surprisingly, maybe not good, but definitely better than we expected, or about a little bit better than we expected in the Bulls. So they went two and two this week, uh, beating the Mavs uh, without Luca, but they also had a nice win over the Blazers. Uh, and then they lost to the Kings, who, they had no Larry Markner, but the Kings didn't have De'Aaron Fox, and then they lost to the Lakers, who were without AD. Um, but, injuries aside, they, they kind of just, they, they've got some surprise wins here. They're 4-6 and six on the season, and like, I think you'll say that a lot. They have had surprise wins. Who, who did they beat back-to-back uh, last week? Uh, it was the Wizards, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe that's not as surprising, but yeah, no, I mean, what what did we have the Bulls picked at? Like, 12th, 13th kind of seed around there? I think so, yeah, pretty, yeah, not in contention for the playoffs, I didn't think. Yeah, and they look like they could at least challenge for the play tournament. I don't know if they're knocking on the door of the playoffs just yet, but they could kind of challenge for the um, play-in. My only question, my big question here is, is can they put together some consistent games? Because they seem to either just barely win or they get blown out. So, and I actually have a stat in that. And that's what I did with the spreadsheets because I had to actually make a spreadsheet of this. So they're 20th of margin of victory. They're, tw- they're ranked 20th in margin of victory. This is as of two days ago, I think. And they were ranked 27th in margin of defeat. Meaning they, in terms of the games they win, they are 20th of the league by the amount they win by. In terms of the games they lose, they're 27th in the league by the amount they lose by. So they don't win by very much, and when they lose, they get blown out. So in terms of the rankings of those teams, the only teams that rank below them are the Wolves, the Thunder, and the Kings, in terms of an average of those two rankings. So it's not a great side. It looks like it could be a bit of a fluke, because, yeah, they're just kind of sneakily competitive from time to time, but then they also show their true colors and get blown out a lot. Yeah, I think that's a mark of them being a young team. More, you know, maybe these flukes are wins, but I think that's my question is that can they continue to grow? Because I think this is a really fun, intriguing young team so far this season. Um, Zach Levine's been on a scoring tier. He's averaging like 26 a game, I think. Um, Kobe White over the last four games has been unreal. He's had a couple 30-point games. So this week he's had a couple 30-point games. Um, you know, they've missed Larry a bit, uh, Larry Marketing a bit this week. But for the season, he's been pretty good. Wendell Carter's looked all right. Um, I think there's some really, you know, really impressive things to be, you know, take away from these Bulls games that I think they're looking forward to developing for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, this is the team that I could see go either way for the rest of the season. I think they could get a lot better, but I also think they could, you know, regress back to them being a young team again. Um, so, yeah, it's my question is, do they continue to grow Cause, and put together consistent games? Because that's what young teams lack a lot of the time is, you know, they might show up for the big games, but they also might get blown out uh, against lesser teams or average teams or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this Bulls team. Uh, I think they're third in pace. 
so far, which is good. I feel like they should be one of the fastest teams in the league because they've got the personnel for it, like, especially with Kobe White and Zach Levine. They can just get up and down the court. And Patrick Williams, their young guy's been pretty good. Um, and he looks very athletic. Um, and I feel like they should just be getting up as many threes as humanly possible, pretty much. I feel like they should be the Kings from a couple of years ago when the Kings were sneaky wait, good. That's not a good thing. <laughs> oh, wait, so like two years ago where they were like yeah, almost at the Yeah, they were like ninth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That Kings, that Kings is all right. That's a fair cop, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. they just got a lot of young, fun, exciting, up and down pieces. You know, Zach Levine can be your buddy healed. He can run off screens, hit threes, but he can also get to the rim himself. And uh, Kobe White... He's just so quick and can pretty much get whatever shot he wants. And he's averaging like five and a half assists a game, which is pretty good for him. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just checking to see. Oh, yes, I have been correct so far. So do you remember my prediction for the Bulls uh, going to our preseason predictions? Uh, I don't. Refresh me. So either Mind Zach Levine will average two or more dunks a game or less than one. He's currently averaging less than one dunk a game. He's only yeah, had I mean... six dunks in ten games. Which is not very many for him, but I'm 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 happy with that prediction. But I think that's showing that he's playing more within the offense. He doesn't care about you know being super flashy, and he's not trying to catch bodies as much. He's just trying to play within the offense. And he's playing really well. He's putting up twenty six five boards, four and a half assists, one and a half steals, shooting pretty shooting well from the field. His three point percentage could go up a little bit, but great free throw shooter this season. He's just been a very solid, consistent guy. It's weird that Zach Levine is kind of a vet now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the same sort of thought I had with uh, Randall um, with the Knicks. He's kind of a vet now for them. Um, but yeah, you know, we're seeing we're seeing a mature uh, Levine. Um, and yeah, he's, he knows where to get his shots from. He knows he can get there and get whatever shot he wants from those spots. Um, and he's making a lot of them. You know, obviously the threes will probably, I think they'll probably come up a little bit as the season goes on. But um, yeah, I mean, the record isn't great. And some of the wins aren't, you know, knock your socks off. But um, I think they're definitely a, a quality team. They're not terrible by any means. They're yeah. average. You know, they're, they're average in a lot of their stats. They're sort of in the middle of the league right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they seem like they should be a 500 team with the way they're playing right now, which is good enough to, I mean, in most years, make the Eastern Conference playoffs at least. And then at, they're definitely going to be like in the play-in if they're 500. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good for the Bulls. Again, another fan base that kind of needs a win. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next team here, which is the Raptors. So the Raptors were one and two this week. They're now two and six on the season. Um, they beat the Kings without Kyle Lowry, which is a very good win for them there. But they also lost to the Celtics and Suns. Two very good teams that they obviously lost to there. But my real question is, is, is this season just a wash for them? Because... They're technically playing every game on the road. I know, like, you know, they're playing in Tampa, and that is technically their home arena, but it's going to take a while before it feels like a home arena. They've only played, yeah. what, eight games there. You know, it's like, I wouldn't feel super comfortable playing in an arena for eight games and be like, yes, this is my arena. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely got the short straw of this whole season, I feel like. Um, they're... Yeah, away from home for uh, however many months it's going to be. Um, they're definitely in, you know, the strangest environment uh, for this season. So I feel like it's definitely, that's definitely a part of it, I feel like. Um, you know, they're away from their families and such. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's a wash. Um, I feel like they will 
they'll, you know, they'll get better. I don't feel like this Raptors team is a two and six, you know, team. They're not a, I don't know what that win percentage is just off the top of my head. 25%. You know, they're not a, yeah, they're not a 25% win team, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like it could play a big part for a lot of their season. Um, and that sort of, I guess that sort of goes with my question is what, what direction are they going to go this season? Because we've already seen a pretty big decline, uh, especially defensively, uh, so far this season compared to last season, especially defensively. Yeah, their defensive rating is down six point three points uh, compared to last season. So that you know, and that's you know, in part that's part of the personnel they lost with Ibaka and Gasol. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this might be the time for the Raptors to sort of let their veterans go and start embracing the rebuild. Yeah. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. It feels like their culture has died a little bit in terms of going to tip, which is why I'm saying I think this season might be a wash. And they they might go back to being better next season if they can continue playing in Toronto next season, um, because they just don't feel as competitive. It feels like when they're out of games, they're out of games. So last season, uh, they went into the fourth quarter on average up by four point seven points, which was fifth best in the league. They now go. Uh, into the fourth quarter, down on average five point five points. Again, this is off a couple of days ago, but um, which is fifth last in the league. So they went from fifth to twenty sixth in that ranking. The, you know, they just don't feel that competitive. They're never going into the fourth quarter, or on average, they're not going to the fourth quarter with a lead or even super competitive. Like I know a six point lead is nothing, but you know, if if that's their average of their, if they're on average going down into the uh, fourth quarter down by six points. That's some. That's a hill to climb over. And they just don't feel like the same Raptors that they have over the last couple of years where they're always, always in it, that they can just come back into absolutely anything, that their incredible defense is really going to be good for them. And maybe that's the environment. Maybe it's the personnel. Maybe it's some of the guys getting a bit older. Cole Larry has still been good, but I don't know. I think, you know, you're seeing that decline with him a little bit as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it doesn't feel like the Raptors usually do. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just, they don't feel like that, you know, pesky, pesky Raptors team that just won't go away. They're there till the buzzer sounds. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like they've got a lot of different factors going against them this season, um, which is going to be, it's going to be tough for them to get over that. But, you know, deep down, I think they still are the Raptors, you know, there's a lot of those guys are still there. So I wouldn't be completely surprised if they turned the season around pretty quickly, but also I could see it being tough for them to, to manage everything that they're up against. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty unfortunate. Cause I mean, <laughs> we've talked about some franchises, franchises that need wins. The Raptors, I guess, aren't that franchise anymore since they got their title. Maybe, maybe it is time to blow things up. I mean, I, I hate the idea of Kyle Lowry anywhere, but Toronto, but He's probably the first piece to go. Um, Aaron Bates has also looked really bad for them, which sucks as as an Australian. Um, Batesy not the best hands in the league uh, by the looks of it, and has not been super effective for them, you know, offensively, and hasn't really filled that Marcus or role defensively either. Yeah, it's like it. Maybe these vets are a little bit past what they, you know, past the point yeah. of being like actual producers um, for yeah. a very good team. Yeah, I feel like you can still get pretty good value from a lot of contending teams for Lowry. So I think maybe maybe we see them capitalize on that while he's still producing. 
you know, at least he's still he's still definitely Kyle Lowry. He hasn't fallen off a cliff or anything, but you can tell he's getting older. Yeah, defensively, I think is where you're seeing it because like the rest of his stats are almost identical to last year. It's just defensively, he seems to. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a result of the sets they're running, the fact that the Raptors' defense just has been a little bit worse this year because that's what defensive rating for individual players measures. It kind of def- measures how well they play within their defense. If their defense is terrible, their defensive rating is also terrible. Um, but yeah, you know, his defensive rating is significantly worse than it was last year. You know, he he is known as a pretty pesky kind of defender. Has not really been that in the same way this season, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's get to the final team we're talking about here, which is the Blazers. So they're what they went one and two this week, or oh, uh, beating the Wolves. So you know, does that count? Who's who? Who can say really? Um, yeah. And then they lost to the Warriors. Obviously, Steph dropped sixty that game, and then they also lost to the Bulls. Um, and they're four and four of the season, which isn't bad. They're five hundred, but they're not as good as we expected them to be. They are. Quite, they're disappointing me. Pretty, you know, a fair bit actually. Um, I don't know. It sort of feels like they're really relying on Damon's, especially CJ. CJ's been awesome in like the start of games. Like he's every. I feel like every time I check the box score after the first quarter, he's got like over ten points every time without fail. Um, And I don't know. I don't. Yeah, my question is, why don't I trust them? You know, I don't trust that to sort of work in the playoffs. It really feels like CJ and Dame, and to a lesser extent Nurkic, or it's you know nothing. I mean, Gary Trent's also been decent. Obviously, that massive game last week that we talked about. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they need they need to get more production out of their out of their wings. Um, I don't know what their averages are, but Covington and Jones are not averaging a whole lot of you know offensively. They're not giving them a whole lot. No, but um. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Covington's averaging six, and Derek Jones Jr. is averaging six. So yeah, they're getting yeah. twelve points out of both their starting wings. Yeah, that's you know you need more than that. You need more than that. Um, you know, obviously those two guys aren't because Nurk's been bad offensively as well. I think he's only averaging like nine points, if I'm not mistaken. Oh really? I, I think yeah. that's all. I mean, yeah, I mean it's just and. What's worse is that defensively they're awful now. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's like it's really is somehow their offense offense keeping them afloat. But if you know if they can't get more out of those guys, um, when that you know come to the important part of the season when you know all focus is put on Damon CJ, how is that going to work for them? Yeah, I don't trust them right now, which is yeah sad to say because I was yeah both of us were really high on this Blazers team. Yeah. Um. It, it, so I just checked. Uh, Nurk is averaging 10 and 8. So you've got CJ. CJ's actually probably been their best player, at least in terms of counting stats. Um, but, you know, you've got CJ and Dave, but no one else is giving... None of their other starters are giving them anything offensively. And you'd imagine, well, you you could accept that if they were playing great defense, but they've been bad defensively. Um, as of a few days ago, they were third last in defensive rating. Uh, now that they've played the Wolves, they're up to 25th. Um, as opposed to 28th, but does that really count? Because it was the Wolves without Cat. Um, but Yeah, a pretty pushover team at the moment. It's a pushover team, yeah. So, I don't know, why has their defense been so bad? I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, you know, my bid for Damian Lillard being MVP this season is kind of going down the drain as we speak, uh, because yeah. 
honestly, I don't even know if he's been the best player on his team. I think CJ McCollum has been play, uh, playing better. But um, what you said there as to like, oh, CJ McCollum seems to have like a really good first quarter or whatever. I was actually thinking yesterday about guys that kind of play like that. And I've got a name for them and they're relay race kind of guys. It's like they'll have, they have one leg of the game where they are just sprinting. They are so, so good for you. But they can't carry you over the line unless the rest of your team can at least keep pace. So I was thinking, like, yeah. CJ McCollum's kind of that guy. Uh, Jamal Murray's kind of that guy. Donovan Mitchell's kind of that guy. Clay Thompson's kind of that guy. Those kinds of guys uh, where it's like they can just get you 12 points in one quarter, but then they can absolutely also disappear for the rest of the game. Um, and they uh, tend to. Yeah. It, it feels like that. I mean, Less CJ's like also hit... Yeah, CJ's hit big shots for them this season uh, in important games. Um, but, yeah, I I get you. I, I mean, it really feels like the rest of the team, it's to sort of pick it up for them. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of it's sort of hard to pinpoint. Like, I don't understand why, like, I don't even know what they're shooting, but why isn't Covington getting more looks from three? And why isn't... You know, Derek Jones Jr. isn't the most versatile offensive guy, but, you know, you can get him rolls to the rim and stuff like that. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, they feel like they're bottlenecking their offense. Yeah, you know, we're talking about their offense, but it's really their defense is the problem. And I don't, I don't know, sort of, got two guys on the wing plus that big, that should be good defensive, you know, players. So it's, I don't, yeah, I really don't know. I don't know. Look at it, I guess. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. The, I don't know what their solution is for them. Yeah, sorry. I mean, you were cutting out a little bit there, but I, I kind of got what you were saying. So, like, yeah. So, you've got your wing defenders, but uh, um, I guess my question there is, like, do they have enough guard defense? Because, you know, Dave and CJ aren't exactly known as incredible uh, defenders uh, from the guard positions. And, you know, you can't really switch either of them onto your wing, onto the opponent's wing players either, especially if you know, you put Derek Jones on the opposing team's best guard, you put Dame on a wing player, can he keep up with that wing player? It's like, eventually, so that's going to catch up with you and someone is going to have to beat you unless they play better team defense because they can't rely on playing man-on-man with three defenders and then two other guys kind of just being there. Yeah. Um, it, they do have a lot of defensive mismatches to make up for. With their with their two lead guards, so it's it's always going to be a struggle for them defensively. But I think we've seen in the past that they've been good defensive teams, the Blazers. So I, I don't I don't I don't know if it's the the defenses they're running out there, um, or what the what the problem is for them. But it's it is a problem right now for sure. Yeah, I mean, and maybe this is just a slow start. I'm pretty sure they had a slow start last season, or. You know, they, they were kind of in that real race to make the playoffs last season. Like, they might have missed the playoffs um, had they not had, like, the play-in and uh, the seeding games for the bubble last year. But, yeah, I mean, I still trust the fact that Dame can turn it on when it really matters. But, again, we're not talking about offense as the problem here, which is a, it's a, it's interesting because of how the rest of their starting lineup is playing. Obviously, Nurk 10-7 and 7 down from um, 17-10 and 10 is a big drop. Um, when you're not getting a whole lot of production from your other wings, and yeah, it's just it's it's weird to see the Blazers being. It is weird. Not great. I mean, because I had the Pictures, I think like my fifth seed. Uh, I think you did as well. I think so. I might have yeah. had them a bit higher, but yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, 
Did you have anything else you wanted to add on to the Blazers, Raptors, Bulls, Knicks, anyone? No, I think I think we've covered it all pretty extensively. All right, uh, let's get to my top three stats of the week. All right, so I've got three interesting stats here, I think. Um, so the first one is, actually, I mean, this this week was kind of easy because I do have one Steph Curry stat and I do have one Bradley Beal stat. But the, other, the one who isn't related to those two is uh, Russell Westbrook is actually 12 and 14. Throughout his career, he is 12 and 14 in games where he takes seven or more threes and makes one or fewer or shoots under 15%, which I think is really weird because... The, they're almost 500 in games where he shoots horrendously from three and actually takes a lot of attempts. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how many of those are from his MVP season. Like, how many of those games? <laughs> oh, um, I should have checked that. Because yeah. I can't imagine how many how many games with KD there that he's putting up seven or more threes a game. Um, but yeah, this is... <laughs> you're right, this is better than I thought. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nearly 500... Russ team obviously is you know I guess for his career winning percentage it's pretty bad yeah but um yeah I mean it is strange because yeah usually when Russ takes a lot of threes you immediately think oh well that game's a a wash you know takes a a lot of threes yeah 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 um you know at the start of that rocket season last year I think that's sort of how it started for them was not knowing how to use Russ quite right and him really struggling early on. And I've imagined a few of those games come from that too, especially a few of those losses. I think so. Um, right, and the reason that was a stat for this week is because the Wizards beat the Nets uh, when Russell Westbrook did that very same thing this season. I was like, that's weird that they beat the Nets when he did that, and apparently it happens a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> so my second favorite stat of the week is Steph Curry, just the second time in NBA history, had 62 points and eight threes in a game. Um, first was Kobe Bryant. I've spelled Bryant wrong. I, I put Byron, but um, Byron, <laughs> Byron. Um, but yeah, that's actually surprising. I would have thought more sixty-point games would have eight threes made. You know, I thought that's kind of the way sixty-point games just happened in the last decade, but apparently not. Yeah, I mean that is strange. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of, well, we don't get a lot of sixties a whole lot of the time. Um, but you know, we had D book seventy. I would have thought he'd made I think eight he made that. like four threes i think yeah i mean i guess a lot of a lot of big scoring performances come from the free throw line too yeah you usually get like so 19 20 that, from there yeah that's guys getting into the paint so i guess they're not focusing on the threes as much but um yeah kobe and steph it's a pretty lead company yeah. i'll throw in another cheeky little stat that i saw mm-hmm. um steph has 50 games of eight uh, eight or more made three-pointers I think the next closest, I'm not sure who it was. I think it's Dame with like 20. Active like, or all-time? It, uh, I think it's all-time. Might be active. Okay. But Either way, that's still it's just, very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not even close. Yeah, no. Um, also, adding on to that, as of when he put up that 62-point game, uh, Nicholas Batum and Larry Nance, uh had both played over 200 minutes and scored fewer than 62 points when Steph had that 62-point game. So Steph <laughs> outscored. Nicholas Batum and Larry Nance for the entire season in one game. Um, That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> so uh, they were the two that had, they they were the only two to have played over 200 minutes and done that. I'm pretty sure Kelly Oubre might have fallen into that category as well um, had he played 200 minutes, but I, uh, apparently he had it at that point. Um, yeah, and my number one stat here is 
Uh, Bradley Beal had 60 points in a loss, which is tied for the sixth most in a loss uh, since 1970. The reason I went 1970 is because Will Chamberlain's games don't count. Um, top five, uh, David Thompson, who I believe had 73. Uh, D-Book, obviously, with his 70. Uh, Michael Jordan, George Gervin, and Michael Jordan again. I mean... I wonder what the record is for most games lost while scoring over 50 or like 45 or something. Cause I feel like Bradley Beal would lead all time in that. Honestly, I, I feel like every time I guess MJ, <laughs> I guess MJ, but you know, he just puts up stats like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like if Beal goes for a big game, it means your team's in a pretty bad spot and he just needed to put up the points. Yeah. Um, I guess, <laughs> which sucks for Wizards fans because you, you're watching him put up masterful performances and they're coming in L's every single time, it feels like. So, I don't know. I hope, I hope the Wizards get better. Just for Bill's sake, I feel like he's going to lose it soon. I mean, we saw him in that interview after he dropped, I think it was, maybe it was against the Celtics, or maybe it was after the 60-point game, but um, where he just said, we, we can't you know, guard a parked car. I feel like sooner rather than later, he's just going to lose it and demand a trade at Washington. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to find that stat for you, actually, um, on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep talking, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we thought that uh, Bill would stay in Washington, you know, give it a year with Westbrook, but um, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's going to take a toll on him knowing that he could go out there and perform like this, but still, you know, be given L's. I mean, it ha- it'd have to be tough, and you know. I've heard a lot of people, like Washington fans, like uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast or whatever, talk about how he actually loves it there in Washington and he doesn't want to leave. But, you know, at some point, I feel like winning has to come into Bradley Bill's mind because, what, is he nearly 30 by now? Yeah. Um, I've got the stat for you, by the way. Um, Do do you want to to finish your thought or do you want to keep rambling? (laughs) Or do you want to... Yeah, I feel... I just feel feel like... (laughs) Yeah... Sooner rather than later, he's only twenty-seven actually, which is ridiculous. But um, sooner rather than later, he's got to he's got to want to get some Ws rather than later. Yeah. Okay. So you want the stat? Do you want it as a little trivia here? Sure. Yeah, we'll do trivia. All right. So Bradley Beal uh, is sixth actually. So I want you to guess. No, sorry, he's seventh. Number one is Will Chamberlain again. He doesn't count. So I want you to guess two through six. Just wow. chuck a couple okay. names out there. MJ. Number number one, not counting Wilt. So, yeah, let's say MJ's number one with eight games. Uh, eight. Uh, Wilt has Kobe? 37, by the way. Um, yeah. Kobe. Uh, Kobe is second. You are correct with seven games. Um, David Cur- Thompson? Uh, no. No, no. All right. Next guy is a current guy. Big scorer. Big scorer. Uh, still a big scorer? Still a big scorer. Is it Westbrook? Uh no. Or KD. Actually. No, Westbrook and KD both have two. Um this okay. former teammate. Oh Harden, right. Yeah. Uh, he is the next one with six. Uh two more. So this next guy was uh, he uh I believe he retired so, yep. in like this guy retired I think in like twenty eleven, I wanna say, one time MVP. You and I both love him. Oh, uh, um, big scorer! One of the most impressive finals games ever. Oh, oh, Iverson. 
Yep, correct. So that he's had five. Last one, um, I'm just going to tell you because I don't think you're going to guess it because I don't even know how to give you a clue for this guy. It's Bernard King. Not oh, sure shit. Bernard King. Okay. Okay. You don't know um, who Bernard King is? I don't believe so, no. Who's Bernard oh, King? King in New York. He had, I think it was the Christmas Day, it, the, uh, I think he still does actually, the most points scored on Christmas Day, New York Knicks legend. Uh, yeah, one of the best scorers of all time. Okay, well, I, I, I've definitely seen the name, um, and I think I've seen that Christmas Day record, but no, I did not know how to give you a clue there. So yeah, he had four. So Bradley Beal is tied with Devin Booker, David Lillard, uh, Dominic Wilkins, and Bob McAdoo with three games, scoring 50 points and losing. Right, well, okay. So only three games for Beal? Yes, by the looks of it. Oh, right. So, two. okay. I think all of them have come in the last two years, so that's tough. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, he wasn't really a massive, massive scorer before then. Um, that is like, true. He, he definitely probably had a few 40s. Do you want 40s? No, we'll leave the 40s, but... <laughs> Sorry, I just want to chuck it to you. Um, anyway, uh, Jordan has 52. So, Will Chamberlain has 107, and Jordan has 52. Um, oh, my God. Bradley Beal has 18. Um, yeah, so there you go. 18. Okay, so that's it, bye. Yeah. Oh, Melo is 15. All right. Anyway, getting off that tangent. Um, so, yeah, those are my uh, top three stats of the week. We had a, that was a fun game there, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah let's, let's get to your top three plus minus of the week. All right. So, honorable mention first is Grant Williams with a plus 28 and 23 minutes versus the Raptors. You know, just a nice little get out there, get the lead up sort of plus minus. Yeah. Uh, just for honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, num- for number three, we got the Nets first Jazz game. Now, I've had a lot of team plus minuses in the last two weeks, so I've put this one at number three. Um, the Nets had nine Nets with at least a plus 11 uh, in that blowout win against the Jazz. So pretty much whoever they put out there was just racking the lead up. What did they win uh, in that game? Oh, 35 or something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 34. Um yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I mean that's a that's a big stat. Like, not not unexpected when you see that kind of a blowout, though. Was it, For sure. Did you see if there were any nets with the negative plus minus? I think I think they were all pluses. So okay. just start to finish, yeah. Um, number two, we have Reg- Reggie Jackson with a minus twenty one in fifteen minutes versus San Antonio, and this was only this was only a three point game, so this was a close game, and Reggie Jackson was not helping the Clippers. No, no, he wasn't. Minus twenty. Oh, I've still got it in my head that Reggie Jackson's a good player. Is he not? <laughs> or was just I just don't think he is. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I have the same sort of idea, but no, I think he's definitely... Well, he nearly didn't get signed back with the Clippers this season, so... I mean, in my head, he's still kind of like half on the Pistons. I don't know how you're half yeah. on the Pistons, but, you know. Actual. No, that's fair. <laughs> and then number one... CJ McCollum with a plus 33 in 25 minutes, although it was against the Timberwolves. Yeah, it doesn't so, count. <laughs> that makes sense. I might move Reggie Jackson up to number one, actually. Right. I feel like that's the, that's the better plus minus. Okay. So, yeah, plus 33 in 25 minutes. Do you, what, do you remember his stat line in that game? Uh, it wasn't crazy. So, I think... Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was, no. But um, I don't think it was anything ridiculous. So, yeah, I think that just shows how bad the T-Wolves are. <laughs> Okay, all right. Um, let's get to our uh our weekly Baywatch. So 
this is our weekly check-in on our guy Sadiq Bay, rookie uh, Pistons rookie Sadiq Bay. Our pick for the best, what who will be the best player in this draft class? So he didn't have as good a week this week as he did uh, as he did last week. So in his first game, he had nine points, three boards, no assists, three for eight shooting. One for six on threes, which is rough because he's been playing pretty well uh, in terms of his uh, threes. Two for two from the line and a minus one in a 10-point loss to the Bucks. So a minus one isn't too bad in a 10-point loss, um, especially coming for a rookie. For Um, sure. I mean, that's pretty impressive from our guy. Yep. uh, In their second loss, uh, also to the Bucks, uh, in that back-to-back, they lost by 15 points, but Sadiq Bey was not the problem there. He had 20 points, 10 boards, and 3 assists. That's a big stat line. That's big. Uh, That's 6 huge. for 14 from the field. 6 for 10 from 3. So he only made 3s. Um, so he was 0 for 4 on 2s. Um, uh, he was 2 for 2 from the line. And he was a plus 2 overall. So, again, a plus 2 and a minus 15? You'll take that. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that is pretty good. I mean, I didn't expect... Sadiq to come out and just be a three-point chucker like he is. I mean, like, no, he's making I. them for the most part, but I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was more of a mid-range guy, but here he is, he's stepped out to the three-point line, making him get that extra point. Yeah, and then uh, in their third and final game of the week, they won by five points over the Pistons in over, uh, against the Suns, I, uh, sorry, I believe it was in overtime? Uh, I'm not sure. I think that Maybe. game might have been a I think that game went to overtime. Uh, he had 10 points, four boards. Uh, four for eight from the field, two for five from three. Did an attempt to free throw. He was a minus eight, which isn't great. But you know what? Oh, you, you put that up in a win. That's all right, I guess. Yeah, he's good. Um, he gets the W. Yeah, yeah, he got the W. So what was he on the week in terms of threes? He was nine for 25, which sounds like it's about 40%. If I'm, it's, it's 36% if I'm doing the math correctly in my head. Um, Not yeah, bad. So, 36%, you would take that. Uh, High volume. That 20 10 game is big, though. You, you'd love to see that. Huge. Huge. That's that's what we expect to see going forward from Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay, yes. All right. Uh, let's get to our League Pass game story. So these are our games. Uh, coming up for the next week that we just think will be worth watching. I will say uh, my pick of Nuggets Mavs actually was worth watching. So <laughs> from last Very week, nice. so there's that. <laughs> um, so speaking of the Mavs, so my first game here is Pelicans at Mavericks on Tuesday the 12th. So two very nice young teams, you know, some very exciting uh, players that, you know, people seem to think will be the future of the league inside Williamson and Luka Doncic. Um, yeah, so I think that'll be a very fun game. Uh, assuming, obviously, no um, coronavirus stuff goes down, there is a bit of an issue in terms of just the whole league, maybe getting a bit of community transi- uh, transmission and things like that. So hopefully the Pelicans and Mavs will go ahead to all right. Yeah, I almost picked this game too until I saw that you had it. So I'm also looking forward to this game. But uh, my first game is the Nuggets at the Nets uh, on Wednesday the 13th. I think, you know, two high-powered offences... Two not fantastic defenses. Both teams, you know, questionable about when they'll get some of their guys back. I think KD is also in um, COVID protocol too for a couple. He might miss this game, but he might be back also. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I feel like this would be a fun game to watch. Um, Yeah, I always pick this game as well. Um, But 
Yeah, no, I remember... Who was it? Uh, Jamal Murray and Kyrie Irving might have had a little bit of a beef a few years ago when I think Jamal Murray had 49 and he took the final shot going for 50. Kyrie Irving took the game ball and threw it to the crowd uh, because he was annoyed that Jamal Murray took a shot when they had already won the game, like took the last second shot. Oh, yeah, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of beef there. I think Jamal Murray will show up for this game. and then I'll be interested, interested to see the Jokic versus uh, Jared Allen matchup just because Jared Allen has been very, very good this season. Um, he managed to maybe not contain a bead, but slow a bead down a fair bit. I wonder if we'd be able to do the same for Jokic. That would be a fun matchup to watch, for sure. All right. Uh, my next game, also involving the Nets, is Nets at Knicks. Two very fun teams, obviously. You know, we've got the two teams in the same area. Uh, that's on Thursday the 14th. I don't think there's anything, like, crazy special about that game. I just think it'll be kind of fun. The Nets will be the second item of a back-to-back. But the Nets are so deep that I think they'll be able to make a good game, a good game of it. Yeah, I mean, the battle for New York's always fun to watch, especially now that the Knicks are good. So, uh, yeah, I think that'll be a fun game. Uh, my next game is Mavs at Hornets on Thursday the 14th. Um, obviously, Luca and the Mavs, great team to watch. Uh, but also the Hornets. Uh, Melo just became the youngest player in NBA history to have a triple-double. Um, as we're recording this, put up, uh, was it 22, 11, and 10 or something like that? Um, so I'm excited to see him against uh, Luca. Plus, the Hornets are a pretty fun team to watch. They've got lots of athletic guys, uh, lots of guys that can, you know, get shots off the dribble. So that'll be a fun watch. Yeah. All right. Um, and my final game here, also on Thursday the 14th. So we've now got three games here on Thursday the 14th. Um, is Hawks at Suns. So I guess it's, I think some of these games are happening at the same time. So take your pick of which one you really want to watch. But yeah. I think Hawks <laughs> at Suns will be um, a pretty fun matchup. Again, two very young teams, two very exciting teams. I'm excited to see um, the uh, the Trey Young, Devin Booker kind of matchup. I mean, Trey Young will probably be guarded more by Chris Paul, but it'll be interesting to see kind of like a more savvy veteran defender because Trey Young has been pulling you know, some James Harden-like moves of stopping his dribble and, you know, just letting guys run into him, getting free throws, things like that. Chris Paul's playing yeah. with James Harden. He obviously knows that style of play. He's a very savvy defender. I wonder if he'd be able to really, you know, show Trey Young that, no, you can't just get away with this. There are guys who can defend that. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks have got so many offensive weapons too. It'll be a fun fun matchup to watch D-Book and get up, go up against that. And, uh, yeah, for my last game, I've got Knicks at Cavs. Which, which if you said that last year... <laughs> would be a joke but yeah. the caps the caps are the best defensive team in the league right now they have the best defensive rating in the league <laughs> i didn't know that at, at 102.9 their offense is awful but their defense is really good um yeah. and we've talked already how good the knicks are um well how how good they've looked so far anyway but um i don't know i feel like if both teams are still rolling at this point next week this could be a pretty fun game to watch yeah, for sure. I mean, Andre Drummond's having a very great uh, season so far. You've obviously got the Sexland backcourt. The Knicks are looking really fun. Yeah, I mean, those young kind of guards. So, you know, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland versus kind of like RJ Barrett. Also an interesting matchup there. Yeah, yeah I, I sure. think that would be a really fun game. Uh, and that's on Saturday the 16th. Um, yeah, it is. So, yeah, most of our games here are early in the week. So, the 12th, 13th, or 14th. Mostly on the 14th. But, yeah, the one, one later one of the week for you there. All right. Um, weekend game for you guys. A weekend game for Australian viewers, obviously. Um, yeah. Uh, now, let's get to our final segment here with our over-under of the coming week. 
So, Dylan, you are now 2-0. and You took the under last week with... So, what, what, what did you set the line at? Uh, the uh, 19 and a half. So, yeah, the Grizzlies' highest score of the week would average uh, 19 and a half. I took the over. I believed in Dylan Brooks. He did lead them in scoring, I'm pretty sure, with about 14.3 points. So, you were very right in terms of uh, them just scoring by committee. They weren't particularly good this week, but they did score by committee. So, you were right there. Um, Heavy under, yeah. So, yeah, uh, my, <laughs> my uh, over-under for this week is the Nuggets' defensive rating position at 27.5. So, if you take the over, they will be ranked 28th, 29th, or 30th in the league in defense. If you take the under, they'll be 27 or better. I'm taking the under. I know that sounds crazy because they're playing against the Knicks, <laughs> Nets, and Warriors. I think maybe... They're just going to be able to pull out a little bit. Their defense did look better last game. Obviously, they're still without MPJ. I mean, MPJ isn't a great defender, but he does have some defensive highlights from time to time. I think their team defense is getting better. I think uh, Malone is getting a little bit better at putting lineups. I'm still on the fire Malone train, but I think he's getting better at making actual lineups and actual uh, rotations. Yeah, I think they'll be like 26th. So, barely. Um, I don't know. I think they're, they're going up against some decent offenses here, especially the Nets and Warriors. So, I'm kind of glad you took the uh, the under. I'm going to go the over here. You know, you can, I, we can't take the same thing. <laughs> I know, so, but I, I, I was thinking the over anyway. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying they drop, but um, I think it's well within reason they stay at 28th, what they are now. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'm checking NBA.com now, and they're currently 25th. I was checking somewhere different. Okay. Maybe I should. Okay. Maybe we should standardize this. They're 25th. Okay. Oh, okay. That changes. Okay. Let's, let's change the line to 25 and a half then. 25 and a half. Okay. So they either stay where they are. Uh, yeah. No, I'll take a drop. I'll think that. Yeah. I'll still take that they go 26 or worse. I'm going to say they stay at 25 or better. So, yeah, where was I checking? I was checking, like, Land of Basketball or something. Maybe I should oh, be right. checking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like NBA.com slash stats is pretty good. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, that was before the Sixers game. That was before the Sixers game. That's probably okay. what did it. Okay. Probably, yeah. Yeah, because they, I mean, they weren't super great defensively against the Sixers, but also the Sixers weren't scoring. So, um, yeah, all right. So oh, yeah, now, what now I'm it? questioning my pick because they jumped up by three by beating the Sixers. What's the line? Twenty five. Let, let's half. stick it. Let's stick at twenty five and a half. Let's stick at twenty five and a half. Okay. I'm gonna say they're gonna stay at twenty five or better. So you're going the under. All right, I'll go the over. I reckon they. Uh, yeah, I think they regress a little bit. Okay. Okay. So you have a potential to go three and I have a potential to go zero and three. Let's hope that. I mean, if I go zero and three, it's fitting that it's the Nuggets that do that for me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add on anything we talked about uh, in this episode? Uh, no, I think that's it for this. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like on YouTube. Check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Leave us a five star rating or review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Twitter or Facebook at StatStuffers. You can follow us on Instagram at twat at twat stat <laughs> underscore suffers. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at statsoffers5 at gmail.com. Other than that, thank you for listening. Peace.